Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. And definitely check out those shows as well. I hope you'll all check out the all new Zibby Mag, Z I B B Y M A G, the literary lifestyle destination with essays, book news, a lit lifestyle feature, and even some classes. Check it out, zibbymag.com. Emily Giffen is the author of Meant to Be, a novel. This is the second time Emily has come on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. She is a graduate of Wake Forest University and the University of Virginia School of Law, the number one New York Times bestselling author of many novels, including Something Borrowed, Something Blue, Baby Proof, Love the One You're With, Heart of the Matter, Where We Belong, The One and Only, First Comes Love, All We Ever Wanted, The Lies That Bind, and now Meant to Be. She currently lives in Atlanta with her husband and three children. And Emily was so nice and invited me to be the moderator at her launch event downtown for Meant to Be. And I had the best time and am so grateful because it was really, really fun.
Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to Discuss Meant to Be. Thank you, Zibby, for having me. I'm so excited to see you again. I started out my book tour with you on June 2nd in New York City. And this is one of my last uh, podcasts here at the conclusion of the tour. So it feels fitting. It's great to see you. And congratulations on Bookends, the launch of Bookends. Thank you so much. Such a fabulous job. I'm seeing it everywhere. And it's such a beautiful book. Thank you. And we have, and that's when we discovered, you know, I think how much, because when you read The Lies That Bind, which was, had 9-11 as a theme, when we sort of discovered how much we had in common living in you know New York at the same time and experiencing 9-11 as New Yorkers. And yeah, we, that was when we bonded two years that's ago. Right. That's so. right. I know. It's nice. Well, first of all, it's nice to see you on both ends of your book tour, but yes, I mean, that's why I responded so much to your last book. I mean, I love this book as well. Like I love how you write, but there was that, you know, there, I mean, I know the whole world sort of went through 9-11, but sure, yeah, yeah. when you have a personal experience or whatever, and you wrote about it so beautifully. And when you have yeah. a friend, you know, when you lose a friend and we're so close to it, it's definitely like, yeah, it's a, it's a shared experience, awful though it is. It's, you know, I think it also brings people together as, as tragedies have a way of doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but we won't, we won't talk about that. We won't, we, we don't have to go there. <laughs> okay. Meant to be mm-hmm. very different than yeah. the last book. We had such a great conversation. I was just saying this to you. I wish I had like recorded it or something. I, know, I, we can just I brought all it. my kids to your laundry. It was the most fun ever. We'd never been down to that whole area oh. before. And like you're, there were women just like flocking all in hot pink, like waiting for you. It was so exciting to see so many like energized, excited, passionate fans of yours getting together, which was awesome. It was really really special. And your, your kids and husband being there, my son being there was really fun. I think there's a lot of, you know, people are just so excited to be back in person, you know, knock on wood. It just feels like another, you know, wave is coming here, but, it, but yeah, it's just, was really nice to see, see everyone and chat with you about the book. And you're right. It's different. This meant to be is different than my last book and really different than the 10 that came before it. So this is my <laughs> 11th novel, but this is the first time that I sort of drew on, you know, a real life historical event. It's not historical fiction, but it was inspired by by John F. Kennedy Jr. and um, his beautiful bride, Carolyn Bassett. And, you know, their sort of tragic story inspired me to, to, to write this book. So it's not based on them. It's entirely fictional characters. Joe Kingsley and Kate Cooper in the book are their very, their own people with their own unique backstories. Uh, but it's definitely rooted in that, um, historical, you know, background and my love of the Kennedy family, which we talked about a lot that night, but you grow up interested in the Kennedys. Did your, did your, either of your parents voice that upon you? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they foisted it, but sure. I mean, how could you not be sort of totally captivated by the the glamour and especially the two of them? I mean, I wasn't like obsessed, obsessed, perhaps like you, but <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I was more, if you're going to go in the like obsession 
world. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was more obsessed with like Princess Diana from a young age, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was her too. I mean, yeah. I think she, she growing up, it was just all about the history and the politics and the family. And, you know, really, you know, she would, she would tell me about, you know, where she was when Kennedy was assassinated and, you know, yeah. she was watching her soap opera that was interrupted by Walter Cronkite, you know, the three separate news bulletins, like the president's been shot and, you know, the president, you know, and then of course the president's died. So she, you know, I was sort of aware of the all of the 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 heavy backstory, the Kennedy curse, like all the things that had happened. And then, you know, fast forward to the mid-90s when I was graduating from law school at Virginia, which of course is like a school where a lot of the Kennedys, you know, Kennedys went to law school, which was not lost on me when I made that decision. You know, graduated, moved to New York City to work at a big firm. And this was during George Magazine and the when when John was, I think he had just broken up with Daryl Hannah and yep, yep. <laughs> everyone wanted to know who he was dating. And then he strikes up this relationship with this like mystery blonde that no one really knew anything about. And she was in fashion, worked in Calvin Klein. So I was, you know, fascinated by them as a couple. And I don't consider myself like a huge follower of like tabloids. But in the mid nineties, it was like, you know, that was the, 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 it, they were the it couple. Yeah. And I think part of what that was about was they had, the family had been through so much tragedy that we all sort of pinned a lot of hopes of, of uh, a happily ever after on this little boy who lost his father when he was just three years old, you know, saluting that casket with his, you know, with mother draped in black, the black veil and, you know, having to leave the White House very abruptly and raise her children alone in New York City. I mean, there was just so much hope pinned to this bright, you know, the brown eyed, like infectious charm, like this boy that was growing up in New York City. And we just wanted the, all the best for him. And then, of course, he blossomed into the hottest man. <laughs> I mean, I've ever seen. I mean, I think a lot of people universally like you like consider him the gold standard of beautiful men. And so we just wanted him to be happy. Of course, that didn't happen. And his story ended just as tragically. But I remember being in the Hamptons and I write about this in my author's note at the end of the book, being being there waking up in a crowded Hampton share in the basement with, you know, people sleeping everywhere as you do in your 20s when you, you know, you can't afford nicer accommodations. And the TV was on and just like, okay, there's a plane crash. Like, who is it? I thought it was a senator. I thought it was a congressman. I was trying to figure out. And then I hear it's, you know, it's John and Carolyn and Carolyn's sister, Lauren. And it was just, and they were flying, of course, to Rory Kennedy's wedding, his cousin. And it was so surreal and shocking and awful. But I kept thinking, surely he's going to emerge from the surf with his like little, you know, grin and like, oh, I had, you know, there was a crazy story, but I landed, landed the plane and, you know, we, we all know that didn't happen, but I think the seeds were planted around that time. I was practicing law and not yet a, a, like a, you know, a, a, well, I shouldn't say I wasn't a writer because I've always been a writer, but I'm not a published writer. But I think the seeds were planted then of like this, like this, what if, like, you know, and I think a, a, that fuels a lot of my fiction. And I think fiction generally, these, you know, you take a situation and then you sort of wonder like, you know, what if, and that definitely happened with this book. And I think it was a long time in the coming to write, to write this like fictional account of these, you know, of of this, this iconic mid nineties couple. And it was a lot of fun to go back 
and 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 revisit that time. You know, you were you were in the city, you know what that was like, like pre pre 9-11. And I think sometimes we become overly nostalgic about decades past and gone by. And we we see, you know, it's like rose-colored glasses, and you only remember, you know, you don't remember the fact that you know. Monica Lewinsky was completely demonized in 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 a situation that now she would be like the Me Too victim and you know as it should be and so a lot of things have changed for the better but for purposes of this novel it was really about you know revisiting that sort of golden feel of a simpler time is dangerous to call like a simpler time but you know what I mean just you know New York City and Tribeca and this couple and I planted a lot of like places where John and Carolyn actually hung out um and so it was it was fun to revisit my my twenties and and single years and New York city as it was then. So, well, I feel like, and you probably have heard this before, especially as you're going about talking about this book, but you don't look that different from like you are the Carolyn Bissett Kennedy sort of, you have that same look. No, seriously. I mean, you can tell. Okay. I'll say, I'll say this. First of all, I'm I'm glad that this is not, this is audio and not (laughs) Because everyone would be like, what is she talking about? But um, I think that there's a, I have heard that a lot, um, like a lot, which is always surprising to me because she's so glamorous and I'm so decidedly not. But I think facial feature wise, we do have like the longer nose and the fuller lips and the longer, you know, longer face. Like there are definitely some facial similarities but body, no, not at all. I have short legs. She has long. She had long legs, and then, of course, just the the, the inherent glamour, like this open book, you know, no glamour at all. And she was just this mystery um, icon. So I think the similarities stopped with just some facial features. But thank you. I always take it as the 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 highest of um, compliments. So thank you for that. Well, also, I mean, I think that was part of the allure of her is I feel like nobody really knows what she was totally like, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause she was so private and right, right. who knows, maybe you two have more in common than you think, yeah. but, uh, but she <laughs> well, just you like know, under wraps. I think part of what is so captivating about them is, you know, and that's why I chose to set the book back in the nineties, because this story, of course, you know, it, it would work in any, you know, you could set it at any time you could send it, could have easily set it in the present, but there's something about the nineties and which was kind of the last moment in time where, you know, I guess a little longer into the early two thousands, but where there wasn't this like explosion of social media and there people, the celebrities weren't so accessible. There was still mystery around them. You yeah. know, it wasn't just everyone, you know, on Instagram and Twitter and everything else, just, just showing what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. And and I love that accessibility. And I think it's brought us all closer in a lot of ways. For better or worse, I think it's it's sort of undermined the allure of of celebrity in some ways, because that mystery has, has sort of, you know, evaporated in, in many ways. And I wonder what, she was so, so private by any account of her inner circle, which we do have, you know, people from her inner circle who, who have shared and enlightened us about what she was really like and what she felt. And it's sort of very consistent that she hated the attention. And, you know, I, so I wonder, would she have had an Instagram? I don't think she would. I, I, I just don't. But, you know, if he had entered into the world of politics, she would have had to become more public, you know, who, 
who knows? Again, it's that what if, it's that wondering what if, what would it have been like? But I also think that one of the things about her, one thing that she does share with Kate Cooper in the book, or I should say Kate Cooper shares with her, is, is this, this concept of being in love with John and Joe in the book in spite of their fame and not because of it. And I think that that feels rare, you know, in this fame obsessed, celebrity obsessed culture. I mean, maybe that's not fair. Maybe we're, we're sort of um, projecting that on to, to, to people, but it seems like a lot of celebrities are dating other celebrities to sort of increase their clout or like that's their, what they're accused of doing, you know, like, is this I mean, you hear it with JLo and, um, because she's a Jaff now, right? She's changed her name, but you hear it with those two. It's like, is this a, is this a ploy? Is this the stunt? You know, is this, are they just trying to get more famous? Um, I don't think it is. I think it's true love, but I'm, I'm like a sucker for that. Thank you, by the way, for posting. um, (laughs) I read about the whole Ben Affleck, JLo thing and your account um, and like that whole thing. And then I was like, is Emily making this up? Is this like going to be one of her like funny, like, is this like a parody of something or is this actually a statement? And then I had to like go cross-reference and see if they really had gotten married and... (laughs) Wasn't it sweet though? It, I thought it was really like sweet and heartfelt. I mean, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm like that just glass half full believing in like true love. And I love the fact that they was rekindled 20 years later. Like there's, I have very little cynicism in, unless it's like beaten into me and I see so much evidence to the contrary. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm a cynic too. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was sweet. Not to veer off in that direction. Yeah, I know. Sorry about this. Sorry. No, sorry. no, so back to, no, back to I, no I'm, do, I'm doing it. I'm going to continue to do it here. But did you notice how like young, like her dress was like so young looking, like so like first bride looking that, and then she, her taking his name, which she's never done before. Like I, I was wondering, I was talking to a friend last night about it. You can see what I do in my free time, Um, (laughs) but there's almost the sense of like, I feel like she, this is what she's like always wanted. And she's going back to her like inner, like, you know, 20 year old self of like how she thought she would get married and what the world would look like. And I just really hope that that's true for her. Like, that's really that this is really like the real thing. Like this is really like going to stick. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? It'd be a good book though. It'd be a good fictional book to write about a couple, not, not, I probably wouldn't do another famous couple ever again or no time soon, but this whole concept of being together and then 20 years later being together again. I mean, you hear about that with like Facebook, you reconnect. I actually had, so my babysitter, now we're really getting off topic here, but my babysitter, Carrie, who was my babysitter when I was probably like five or something like that, was our mother's helper for a summer. She went to Skidmore. I thought she was like the coolest thing ever. She had like one of those 1980s straw bags, you know, that everybody used to carry. Anyway, she, she wouldn't come back the second summer to babysit us unless her boyfriend came. So my mom got him a job at the Palm restaurant out here in East Hampton. And they ended up breaking up, but Fred ended up marrying the daughter of the owner of the Palm and ended up becoming like the head of the Palm restaurants for a while. And then we went to Carrie's wedding. She married somebody else. She moved to New Mexico. I think Fred moved with his wife to Washington, DC, and they both had three boys. And then they both got divorced. 
found each other on Facebook oh. after all this time. And now they're married. I love it. Did you I go know. I feel like I should write a book about that. Yeah, um, you should. You should. Or they should write a book about that. Did I go to their wedding? No, it was just like their family and, oh, and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, now they have like six I boys. Between them and, um, I love that. But there's so many stories. I mean, relationships are so complicated and messy and they take such turns and twists. And it's like, there's just... That's the, that's, that's what I love to, to write about and just how complicated we are and how, how we get things wrong and we screw up and we mess up and it's, you know, stories about forgiveness and redemption. And, you know, you see these themes in, in meant to be, and, uh, you really see them, I think throughout all my books, because I think that's life, that's relationships, that's, you know, who, who we are. So yeah, it's, it's been special to, to hear how readers have connected with these two characters who, you know, are so different than, you know, a lot of the readers, but there's universal themes there of how we feel about ourselves. And Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. So Emily, like 11 novels, I mean, how do you keep coming up with new... I mean, I know what if is like a big through line, right? And all this fascination and whatever, but... How do you keep doing it? How do you not worry that like, what if the next one is not as good as the last one? Or like, how do you keep 
So you have to keep reinventing yourself as an author in a way, right? That's, keep... that's the big what if, right? What right, if? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for sure. I th- I mean, you know, it's it's time to gear up and write the next book. And I have like, you know, I have my idea and I'm, but it's scary. It's scary every time, which is really sort of a metaphor for life, right? I mean, it's like we constantly, you know, have to sort of approach the next new chapter. I mean, my my boys are leaving for college. So I'm going to be seeing more of you in New York because they're going to Columbia. So oh, amazing. I, I, I we'll hang out. <laughs> Zibby, the Zimster, as I call you right here. Um, yeah. So it's like, it's scary. It's daunting. Like what's it going to be like with one child left at home and two gone and, you know, we're moving. And so it's right. Starting a book is in many ways, like little mini chapters of our own lives when we have to sort of, uh, you know, start over with, with, with where we are and reinvent ourselves at times with whether it's our careers, you saw a lot of that in the pandemic with people's relationships and jobs. And, and so, yeah, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not scared every time because I definitely am. I'm also a warrior, like just innate anxiety, like fuels me. And I think it's in some ways it's my greatest curse. And in some ways it's my greatest gift because it really propels me to, I'm a perfectionist and it just like, you know, I want to get it right. I want to write the next book that people love. I never want to write a book that, that I always want people out there to say, this is my favorite of your books. Like not everyone, but at least, you know, at least a, a subset of my readers, like, no, this one spoke to me the most. So are you a worrier, Zibby? I am a total worrier. And I was about to say that this is some, this is my theory about writers in general, that like we all share an anxiety disorder. Like I think 90% of authors are some really high percentage. And I think that's why whenever I talked, like there's this like, shorthand. I mean, if you're always worrying, what if, what if, what if, which is what I think about everything, right? I always go to like the worst, right? (laughs) The, The, you know, the worst of whatever scenario I'm in, like, and I play that whole thing out. And then if it doesn't unfold that way, I'm like relieved. But I'm oh, like, if you can turn that into writing, which so many people do, I feel like it, it's it's a funnel for that. So that's why I feel like so many, so if, if you are out there worrying, you should just write a book. <laughs> yeah, just write a book, write a book. And motherhood doesn't help that much. I think that's, that really amped up my, because the stakes are so high, you know, before I had kids in my twenties in New York, it's like, okay, don't lose this wallet in a New York city cab tonight. Like, like don't lose. I mean, I lost so many purses and wallets. It wasn't when my, when my dad first read something borrowed my first novel. Um, he, he called me and he said, no, well, no wonder you lost so many wallets and purses. And like, you were always losing things. And I said, what does that mean? And he goes, all the drinking you were doing. And I'm like, dad, it's fiction. I'm not Rachel. I also didn't have an affair with my best friend's fiance, like fiction dad. But um, of course, you're always drawing on uh, things in your own life. And I guess uh, Rachel and I did did have that in common, like that sort of absent-mindedness. But, so, but yeah. But, but for someone who's wanted to like be an author, right? Like your career is the dream of so many people, right? You get to just do, you just write forever. You have all these fans, your best-selling author, like where how do you still have the drive when you have, is the drive just to top your last book? Like, where does the, Mm -hmm. where does the drive, like, where are you going with this now? Do you know what I mean? Like what's, yeah. yeah. Like what's propelling you? It's thank you for, for that characterization. I, I try to remind myself of that. I mean, we all get so mired in our worries and our deadlines and everything else, but I always try to back up and say, like, you're not, you know, I'm not, 
a lawyer anymore, which I did not enjoy. Like I get to do what I love. And that's really good reminder and just in general about gratitude in all of our lives. But, you know, really, and, and it sounds sort of like cheesy, but it's really true. Like I'm most motivated by wanting my readers to be happy because I do feel such a close relationship with them. You know, the in-person interaction. I mean, you, you saw the, the, the event, like it's, you know, it's something that I enjoy. I think some, some writers don't and some do, and you really can't fake it, but it's something that I, that I love and I feel a deep connection with, with my readers. And so I don't want to disappoint them. And there's always like a handful that I'll picture. Like I, I don't want, I want, I don't want them to put down the book and be disappointed. So I think that's what really continues to, to, you know, my, my drive to like do my very best with each book. But I think that's also just part of, of, of who I am, like the little inner nerd in me, the perfect, like the perfectionist, the, the one that didn't want to get bees in college and law school, although I got plenty of them in law school, but yeah, so, but it's been, it's been fun. And I feel, I do feel very grateful. And I've met great people like you, Zibby, like I, you know, wouldn't have met you without this career and just so many fascinating people, especially women. And I feel like we have a great community amongst, you know, women writers and readers and supporters of fiction. And, you know, it's just, I feel very, very lucky. I know you feel the same too. I feel totally lucky and I'm delighted to have met you. I feel like this is the greatest thing. It's like you set out to write a book and like you get this whole community of people who are like the nicest, most supportive group ever. Yeah. It's really... It's like out of this world amazing. It really is. Have you ever noticed the way men sometimes they'll say, you know, they'll say, and I don't, I don't do male bashing in my fiction or in real life. You know, I love so many men and have great relationships with, you know, my uh the the, the males in my life, but they always sort of seem surprised by how much we like lift each other up. You know, it's it's and it's 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 interesting because you know, readers of books, like the more you love books, the more you're going to read books. So if someone picks up another novel that they love, that's great for our work, like, you know, memoirs included. You know, it's like, that just makes you want to read more. It's like the worst thing is like a reading drought, you know, like that you don't want the reading droughts to happen with, with readers. You want them to be like, oh my gosh, I've read this great book and now I want to read another great book. So it always surprises me when people sort of, you know, pit pit female writers against one another, and in, in the way that, in the way that some do, often men. But that's well, that my male bashing. Yeah, no, I don't think I'm not even sure it's male female. I think it's this industry. I mean, the, women in other industries aren't necessarily as supportive of one another as they are in writing. Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm, because you know what I'm saying. It's not a zero sum game. It's not. You know, there's not just like one book, like, you know, in marketing, like you're picking one, you know, I don't know. I don't even know the lingo of those worlds, but you know, it's not, we, there's, we can have, we all have a ton of books, right? Like it's, it's, you know, the more you read, the more you want to read. And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And what is your, you, you do such a great job of cultivating. I know we're almost done, but what's like your secret in cultivating your audience? I know you keep writing books. I know you have such a strong Instagram following and everything, but like, if you had advice on authors trying to build their readership and maintaining that sense of community, what's the, what's the secret? 
I mean, I think as with anything, it would be the same thing that I would say about relationship advice or job advice or, you know, you know, authenticity, like you have to be yourself. Like, you know, you can't look at a formula and say, this is what I should do to gain more followers or to get more readers. Like, you know, I talk about politics in my feed. I talk, I, I post my kids in their running and I post my dogs and you know, some people are, you know, not going to be interested in my ducks, my daughter's pet ducks on my Instagram page and, you know, my kids running and, you know, what I have to say about the election in Georgia. But that's to me, it's like, you're you're going to find your true people and followers and readers if you just are authentically yourself. And you have to just sort of go with that and not follow the trends of, you know, of fiction or of social media or try to like, you know, analyze too much what's going to garner you the most support and followers and everything else. And you're, you know this already. I mean, I know you're asking the question more generally, but you're very authentic with your, and your, um, you know, social media and your, your, your personality and your like, and that's what people want to see. There's too, cause there's too many, there's too much imitation. Right. And in the world. And it's just good to see when people are themselves. True. But I always worry, like, what if Instagram disappears? Where will I find all these people ever again? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, where am I going to find them? But anyway. Yeah, didn't we say uh, that about MySpace? And look, look where we are. Okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, Emily, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I'm sorry. We didn't talk that much about the book because I feel like we analyzed yeah, it so no. much and now I'm like selfish. <laughs> But meant to be fabulous book for all Emily Giffen fans and people who are not yet Emily Giffen fans, uh, but should be. But after being a number one New York Times bestselling author, I figure you probably know her already. So um. (laughs) anyway, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Zibby. And congratulations again on bookends. Thank you. And thank you again for posting about it. That was so sweet. Anyway. All right. I'll see you in New York then. (laughs) See you in New York. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.